everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Kyle the Kaiju Guy. Before we jump into the episode, I would like to remind everybody to please go and give me a like on Facebook. Uh, the name of the Facebook page is exactly the same as the podcast here on Anchor or Spotify or whatever it is that you listen to my podcast on. God, uh, Kaiju Carnage, a Godzilla slash King Kong part podcast, has the same exact profile picture and everything. I stay way more up to date on the Facebook page than I do, quite frankly, doing the podcast because this is just a weekly show, whereas I am active on the Facebook page on a daily basis by either posting fan art or official art or sharing any type of news or information regarding new movies, new anime TV shows, or comic books or anything like that. I try my best to stay up to date on that. So go give me a like on Facebook. And also, if you don't mind, if you've ever listened to an episode of my podcast and you have not done so yet, please go give me a review or uh, a, st a star review on Apple Podcasts or anything like that that allows you to leave reviews or ratings or anything like that. I like to get feedback from you guys to let me know how the show is going, whether you're enjoying it, whether there are things you want me to do more of or less of or anything like that. So the only way I can find that out is if you guys tell me. So if you don't mind, go give me a, uh, a review and a rating. And, you know, I would very much appreciate it. Now that all of that is out of the way, it's time to talk about the movie. Today, I'm going to be talking about the 1994 film Orochi, The Eight-Headed Dragon. This is my very first movie that I'm doing on the Heisei era of Toho Films. Uh, I'm not going to lie, guys. I had never seen this film prior to beginning this podcast. I... Like, you know, doing the podcast, naturally, I had seen a bunch of kaiju films uh, throughout my, you know, throughout my life. Godzilla, King Kong, Gamera, and just a whole bunch of uh, throwaway kaiju films that were, you know, inspired by the big guys in the genre and all of that. But I had never actually seen this one. And... So whenever I was doing research, trying to put together the schedule of what movies I'm going to do and all of that kind of stuff, this one was definitely going to be on the list. I know that it uh, was not well received by fans or critics or anything like that, but prior to doing this episode, you know, I ordered a uh, copy of the DVD and I sat down and I watched it uh, from start to finish and I'm not going to lie to you guys. I enjoyed this movie like there's no tomorrow. Like, not even, you know, like, nostalgia is not on my side with this. Because, you know, going in, I'm a 34-year-old man. And I was w watching this movie for the first time. And I I just adored it. I Like, I won't say it's one of the greatest films I've ever seen. But if you're a big fan of, like, just Toho movies and you haven't seen this movie yet, by all means, go give it a watch. Find it online, download it. I'm going to go ahead and let you know to get a DVD copy of it because the DVD was released in the 90s and um, like the early 2000s. It has been out of print for quite some time. It is quite rare. 
and so it is a little pricey so just going ahead and throwing that out there if you don't want to spend a whole lot of like big bucks on getting an official release there are ways you can watch it online but just me personally i like to own uh physical copies of movies and things like that as opposed to just digital copies so that's why i went on ahead and just ordered my own copy of it but very much enjoyed it uh does it have its faults absolutely i can i can definitely tell you some faults <laughs> that's in the movie um but overall it was very very enjoyable it's not really a kaiju film like that that kind of surprised me like just it having the title that it did and being done by toho and everything i was very much expecting more of you know a traditional kaiju film like they've done before but this is actually more of like a high fantasy mythological film than it is anything else i would put it you know kind of like like the tone and pace, I would say it's very similar to uh, Conan the Destroyer, which is the sequel to the uh, the film Conan the Barbarian, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I would also put put its tone around the same as uh, the live action film of Red Sonja that came out in the eighties as well. Very cheesy, very <laughs> like you know it's not really meant to be taken seriously. I think whenever they made the movie. They wanted it to be taken seriously, and that was one of the biggest issues that I feel the reception of the movie had was that people just did not take it seriously. It's a very goofy, fun movie. Really enjoyed it. Um, other than a few scenes here and there, I think it's very family-friendly. Like, if you want your kids to be able to watch it, I think that they would really enjoy it. There's a few scenes with some... Uh, you know, some blood, uh, there's a few impaling scenes, uh, one or two, and in the English dub, there's some cussing, so I don't know what you guys allow your kids to watch, if you're cool with all of that, if they already watch stuff, I know kids nowadays watch things on TV that my mother would have murdered me whenever I was a child, if she found out I was watching uh, some of that stuff, you know, but over other than that little stuff, little things and talking about, you know, today's day and age with society and everything, I think this would be a pretty decent, like family friendly movie, not Disney like or anything, but I think, uh, kids would really enjoy watching this film. So, uh, I pretty much, you know, rambled on about that long enough. So let's jump into the film, shall we? Like I said early on, it came out in 1994. Now, it was released in Japan as Yamato Takuru. Takuru. Uh, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, it was. Uh, that's the name of the main character. Um, this was going to be the first film in a planned trilogy of movies. Now, it is based on actual Japanese mythology. It's not like, I mean, there are elements of it that is, uh, you know, original as far as just the movie is being concerned. But, you know, it is what it is. Largely, it is based on Japanese mythology, specifically the birth of Shinto. Now, this movie is a remake. I was unaware that it was a remake. Whenever I first found out that it existed, I was like, the cover looks cool. I looked up pictures of the uh, kaiju suits and everything that they made. 
thought those looked really cool, very classic Toho looking uh, monsters and everything. And so I was like, okay, this looks cool. And then whenever I start digging and doing research onto the film, I find out it's a remake. So, you know, knowing me, I'm Cal the Kaiju guy. I've got to see the original film and I'll get, I'll watch that uh, eventually. Might even do an episode on it one day. Have not yet decided. Anything, anything is up for grabs for me to do an episode on whenever it comes to Kaiju. So, you know, we'll... Uh, you know, we'll definitely look at that into the future. But it is a remake of the 1959 film called The Three Treasures. And, you know, also based on mythology and everything. Uh, yeah, so that's what that is. Now, originally, this movie was going to go into production right after Godzilla vs. Mothra in 1992. But... Whenever they started looking at it, the director that they hired, he decided he wanted to make some changes. He didn't want it to be just a flat 100% remake. He wanted to add some other things to it. Uh, specifically, if you've seen the movie, you know what? If you, I'll just explain it as if you haven't seen the movie. Yamato Takuru is the main character of the film. And <clears throat> he has two companions that are in this movie. And they very much seem like, even whenever I was watching it and not knowing that this change was made, his two companions seemed very, very, like, shoehorned in to where I'm like, man, these guys just kind of seem to have popped up out of, you know, out of nowhere. Why are they here? And they take part in his adventure a little bit. And, you know, turns out that was one of the changes that were made. They were shoehorned in to uh, to the movie, and they went from there. Uh, the three artifacts that he gets in the film, uh, that was kind of thrown in there as well. And so they had to work all that into the script, had to come up with some more original ideas and everything. So it, that pushed production back a little bit because it took a little while to get the script done and all of that. So... Um, it ended up being released in Japan in 1994, two years after Godzilla vs. Mothra had come out. Now, a few after the movie was made, I'm going to go ahead and let you guys know. Uh, there's not a whole lot of information that exists on this movie. Like, <laughs> whenever I went to start digging and doing research and everything, like, I was hitting dead end after dead end. I'm talking about, like, I was genuinely wondering how in the world... Am I going to turn a full-fledged episode out on this? I know a lot of podcasters, they do a lot of their episodes. Or, uh, some people only do like 5 or 10 minutes long. Me, I like to have my episode to be anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour. That's just me personally. So I was sitting there looking at it like, man, how in the world am I going to actually turn this into an episode? And so I started digging and digging and digging. And so I'm going to share some information that... You know, a lot of people would be like, eh, I don't, I don't see how that pertains to the movie, but you know, I'm just trying to stretch the episode out. If I'm being honest with you guys, um, I have a pretty good set of core listeners that tune in pretty much every single time I release an episode within two days of me releasing it. So I like to think you guys like what I, <laughs> what I have to say. Otherwise I wouldn't have just reached uh 2000 total listens not too long ago. Thank you for all the love and support and constantly uh, tuning in to listen to me ramble on about these big giant monsters. So yeah, I'm going to just talk about a few things that uh, 
normally I wouldn't talk about. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to talk about that I normally don't touch on is Orochi is based on, as I said earlier, Japanese myths. He is a mythological character. So I'm going to talk about Orochi's role in the myths of, you know, Japan. And pretty much what happens in the myth of Orochi is the god, the Japanese god Susanoo, I know a lot of you probably recognize that name if you're big fans of mythology. The name has also been used in numerous Japanese animes and things like that. So that's why that name sounds familiar to you. But Susanoo is banished from heaven. And whenever he gets banished from heaven, he comes down to earth and he meets two other earth deities and whenever he meets them, they are weeping. They are very upset. And whenever he approaches them and asks, why are you so upset? They tell him about the dragon Orochi. And basically say that for the last seven years, they have had to sacrifice one of their daughters to Orochi. And they have to do one daughter a year. And they've done it for seven years. So that's seven daughters. And... Here we are on the eighth year, and they're preparing to have to sacrifice their eighth daughter. And quite frankly, it's breaking their heart, having to sacrifice one of their children every single year. And so Susanna O oh finds out about this. He's not very thrilled about it. He decides he's going to help these two uh, try to overcome Orochi. First and foremost, he transforms their eighth daughter into a comb, like, like a hairbrush. Uh, just so Orochi would, it would be hard for Orochi to be able to find the child. So he transforms her into a comb and then he instructs the two individuals to go and build. He asked, did they have a lot of liquor? They said, yes. He instructs them to go and build these giant vats for the liquor. And first he asked, what did Orochi look like? And they describe him as having eight forked heads and eight forked tails. And all that means is that he's eight-headed and he has eight tails. The basic description of him was he has red eyes. He has cypresses growing on his back. He was extremely massive. He has, uh, whenever he would crawl, he would extend over eight hills and eight valleys. And that's just how large this guy was. Whoever came up with the myth was a big fan of the letter eight. Like, you know, he's eight heads. He has eight tails. This is going on for the eighth year. It's dealing with the eighth child. Like, and like, they love the number eight. I don't know why, but you know, like that's just how it ended up going. You got, if you're a fan of mythology, you know, whenever it comes to some of these ancient tales and myths that sometimes there's just no sense to be made of, of how they would go. And this was just, you know, one of them. And so he asked them, did they have any liquor? They said, yes. And so he orders them to build eight giant vats of liquor and feel like, to hold the liquor and fill each one with the liquor and one for each head. And so they build them, they put them in like little itty bitty gates and all of that kind of stuff. And so whenever Orochi comes, there's a different container for each one of his heads to begin drinking. 
And so he obliges. He begins to drink. He just thinks, okay, this is part of the gift. This is part of the sacrifice. They're actually giving me a drink this time. And he just drinks and drinks and drinks. And he ends up getting drunk. And whenever he gets drunk, he passes out. He's going to sleep off the alcohol. I know that, you know, for those of you that are of age, we've all been there. Whenever you drink a little bit too much and you just get to the point where like, yep, it's time to go to sleep. And that's where old Orochi was. And whenever he was uh, asleep, that is whenever Susana O oh comes out and pretty much takes out his sword and cuts him to pieces and kills him. And so that is the death of Orochi in the um, in the myths. Now, the movie itself pretty much disregards every single bit of that myth. Like, he's, he's an eight-headed dragon. He is that. Like, his basic description in the movie is that he's an eight-headed dragon. Uh, he has one long, like, very large tail as opposed to eight tails. And he's red. He has red eyes. He can shoot beams out of his eyes. And he can shoot flames from his mouth. Now... <clears throat> From watching the movie, as I said, not a whole lot of information about production, so I'm just going to spitball some stuff about what I noticed whenever I was watching it. I won't say every single head had this, but a huge chunk of the heads had their own working flamethrowers that would shoot out of the mouths. I know that each head had to be, like, controlled by separate crewmen. Like, one or two crewmen apiece. I do know that. So, at, like, there were, like, um, <clears throat> eight sets of crews that had to control the heads. Each one would be two people. So, you had 16 people having to control the wires to this guy's head. And I'm going to post on Facebook some of the behind-the-scenes photos there. I do have a picture of Orochi. With all of the wires, you know, uh, at, before everything was digitally removed and all of that stuff. Um, there is a bunch of wires that they had to use to control this, <laughs> this very massive prop. Like, each head had, like, three or four wires attached to it. Like, it was, it was huge. And more power to them being able to control this thing the way that they did. Because it ended up turning out well. Um, anyone who has listened to my King Ghidorah spotlight, which very recently hit 100 total plays altogether, thank you very much for that. It's my most listened to, uh, most listened to episode. Um, anyone who's listened to that episode will remember that King Ghidorah is based on the mythological character of, uh, Orochi. The only reason why they went with three heads way back in the day, in the 60s, whenever he was first created, is because they did not have the technology, nor did they feel that they would be able to handle being able to control a prop with all eight heads. So they shrunk him down to just three, and even going with just those three, production proved to be very chaotic. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, go on ahead and give it a listen, and uh, you'll be able to find out just how chaotic it was. So, that's pretty much the differences between Orochi in the movie versus Orochi in the actual myths. Now, Orochi was not the only kaiju to be featured in this film. It is based on mythology. Everyone knows whenever it comes to mythology, 
Whoever is writing the myths, they love them some monsters. They filled their stories and tales with all kinds of monsters. So this movie absolutely followed through with that tradition and came up with a decent amount of mythological creatures to be in there that they officially refer to as gods. But, you know, you know, uh, it is what it is. Anyway, so the number of monsters that they have is there's naturally Yamata no Orochi. He's in there. Now, another one that's in there is Amano Shiratori. Now, if you've seen the movie or if you've seen any posters or anything, Amano Shiratori is the silver swan, the bird-like thing that looks very much like a robot, but I don't know if they were trying to portray it as being a robot. I'm not entirely sure. Whenever it would get hit, sparks would fly and all that. But Toho was notorious for having sparks fly in a lot of their kaiju films. Like whenever Ghidorah would get hit by Godzilla's atomic breath, sparks just go to flying and everything. You know, There's nothing about Ghidorah or the atomic breath that would cause those sparks to fly. But they did fly indeed. So... If you look at Amano in this movie, it looks like it should be a robot. But I'm not sure if it is a robot because it would just be very out of place for a robot to be in a mythological story. So I'll just chalk that up to a, um, a bad design. We'll just go with that. Now, um, these, this next batch, I apologize if I mispronounce the names, um, I've said in numerous episodes in the past, I'm not the best whenever it comes to uh, foreign words or names. Japanese ones very much give me trouble a lot of times, so I apologize if I'm uh, mispronouncing these. Um, another one that we saw was Kumo Sagami. And this was a lava god whenever um, Odo was in the process of possibly being sacrificed in the film. If you haven't seen the film, I'm sorry for giving that spoiler. Um, but whenever she was in the process of possibly getting uh, sacrificed, this was the lava monster that came up that was going to devour her or kill her, whatever he was planning on doing to her. And he had a really cool design. I liked the way that he looked. He definitely looked like something that was born of lava. And all of these monsters I would have very much liked to have seen in future Toho uh, properties like a movie or a TV show or something like that because they were really cool designs. They created a really cool world with um, with this movie and I would have just liked to have seen more of these uh, monsters in the future. Now the next one is Kaishin Muba. This was the water god whenever they go underwater and it has tentacles and everything. Very much, you know, I feel like this thing was inspired by the Kraken from the original uh, Clash of the Titans film. Like, it just has a very good vibe uh, of that. Again, very cool design. Very classic Toho-looking design. I was all about it. Like, it's really cool. And then the last one is not really a kaiju. This would, But it does fall into the kaiju category of being like a giant human, so to speak. It is Utsuno Ikusagami. And this was a warrior... He's officially classified as a warrior god. Um, this is pretty much uh, the main character whenever he, ta he takes this form to do battle with Orochi towards the end of the film. And 
that pretty much does it for the different types of monsters and everything that's in the movie. I thought they were very, very cool. Um, so the movie comes out, like I said, uh, in the beginning, it was very cheesy. It was, uh, it pretty much really tried to take itself seriously. It should not have. They should have really done this as just being a very campy, cheesy, maybe even like, if they would have just taken out some of the more adult things that was in it, like the, uh, impaling with swords and daggers and stuff, um, and all of that, they really could have marketed this movie as being a children's film. And I think it would have been much, much better received, but they didn't want to do that. They wanted it to take itself way more seriously than what it needed to be aimed more at adults. And, um, it just didn't fly very well. Had a very poor box office performance. It only gained, uh, 800 million yen and, I don't know the exact like amount to the dollar as to what that is, but that's not very high. By comparison, the very next Godzilla film that came out, which would have, which was uh, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, or I mean, I'm sorry, that wasn't the next one that came out, but whenever Godzilla versus Space Godzilla did come out, it made one billion six hundred million yen. So it didn't even, you know. A Godzilla film made almost a billion more yen than it did. But even in Japan, Godzilla films don't make a super huge amount of money. So for it to gain way less than even a Godzilla film, like, and it was done by Toho, that was just, that's not good. It didn't have a good critic response. It didn't have a good fan response. And as a result because this was supposed to be the first film in a planned trilogy, they abandoned the trilogy. And honestly, that's a shame, because I would have loved to have seen more of this. I would have definitely loved to have seen uh, the two other movies that came after this one, so it is a shame that this, uh, this ended up happening. Now, just some little fun facts about the movie. Uh, that pretty much does it talking about the movie. Like I said, there's not a lot of information out there on it. Um, early trailers actually show Orochi having very Showa-era, like, Ghidorah heads. Like, for the, like, you know, like I said earlier, Ghidorah was based in part on Orochi. So I think it was cool that they were going to give Orochi Ghidorah-styled uh, heads. But they ended up going with more original-looking heads. Like, just having more horns and not having the uh, furry, uh, the fur parts or the hair that was on it like uh, Showa Era Ghidorah did. So, there was all of that. Um, parts of the movie were cut. The final fight scene was supposed to be a lot longer. And they cut it because Toho felt that the film was already just too long. And, I mean... If you're really enjoying it, it may not be, you know, super, super long. It's like right at 110 minutes, so it's almost two hours long. Like, I enjoyed it, so it didn't really feel super long to me. But there was a lot of critics and fans that did not care for this. So, and you know how it is when you're watching a movie that you're not really enjoying. You definitely feel like you're just dragging through it. And so, uh, apparently Toho felt that it was too long, so they cut the final fight scene uh, much shorter than it was, which it already felt kind of long. 
Like, it's kind of hard for me to believe that it was way longer than that. And if you have seen the movie, there was a scene where, um, <clears throat> whenever, uh, Yamato jumps on top of one of the heads of Orochi and is stabbing it in the eye with his sword. There was supposed to be another scene where he jumps onto another head and begins to stab it as well. That entire scene was cut. And uh, my thoughts on the movie is like, I, lo I, I enjoyed it. I really did. You know, I know I said that at the beginning of the episode, but do yourself a favor. If you're looking to watch like a, just a very cheesy, campy, classic Toho, Heisei era film, definitely give this movie a shot. I'll, I'll recommend it to anybody if you're a fan of this genre of film. It was it was very enjoyable. Definitely watch it. Um, one last thing I'm going to talk about. One of the most popular Godzilla movies out there that's been made. I don't know why. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not... Like, I like it all right, but I just don't understand why so many people love it and adore it the way that they do. But I'm talking about Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack that came out in 2001. Everyone knows that Ghidorah is in that film. He plays a good guy in this film. And uh, he's said to be a thousand years old in the movie. Also in the movie, it is mentioned... That Ghidorah, in this particular film, is a very underdeveloped Orochi. So, he was woken up way too early. He only had three heads. And at full grown and full power, he would have had eight heads. He put up a pretty good scrap against Godzilla in that movie. So, to find out that he was underdeveloped and that he was supposed to become Orochi, like... He, he would have stomped a mud hole in Godzilla in that movie. But I just thought that that was really cool that Ghidorah was basically an underdeveloped Orochi, considering that Orochi, in part, was the basis for Ghidorah. So I like how they made that link there. So, alrighty guys, that pretty much does it for um, Orochi the Eight-Headed Dragon. Really wish I could have talked more, you know, about what I normally talk about, but, you know, it is what it is. There are just some movies that there's not a lot of information out on, and I have to do as much as I can and talk about as much as I can to uh, to pretty much shell out an episode. So, announcement time. Next week, a week from today, I'm going to be talking about a fan favorite film. I love this movie. I know lots of people that love this movie. A lot of people do not know that it is a direct sequel to another Toho-produced film, but I'm going to be talking about the 1966 film War of the Gargantuas. I can't wait to jump on this one. Like I said just a little while ago, I love it. It's one of my all-time favorite kaiju films. I hope you guys are definitely going to be looking forward to it because it's a fan favorite and can't wait to jump on it. Now, next week... I'm going to be making the big announcement that I've talked about in like the last two episodes that I was going to be doing uh, something big, something major and everything. And uh, I can't wait to talk, to talk about it, but I'm going to wait just one more week and then I'll make the announcement. So be on the lookout for that. If you end up liking me on Facebook, you can get that announcement a lot faster than just listening to it here on my podcast. So, go give me a like. See what I did there? <laughs>
So, alrighty guys, thanks for listening to Orochi the Eight-Headed Dragon. I hope you're looking forward to War of the Gargantuas next week, and I will see you all then. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.